a quick introductory note to this week's class. You know, as we're going through uh, the situation in the war uh, in Eretz Israel, all of us have uh, been running to do chesed. We've all been doing as much chesed as we've ever done. And collectively, we've been doing chesed, which is an amazing thing. Why is Hashem pushing us to do this chesed now? Okay, so last week we discussed how Shabbat saved Adam's life. And uh, the appreciation that we have to have for Shabbat. How the Torah that we learn on Shabbat is worth a thousand times more of the Torah that we, that we learn during the week. And how Shabbat increases our blessings a thousand fold. So many of you who either listened live or listened to recording, it was really the most uh, responses that I ever had. Um, so many of you came back and told me that it, it really changed your Shabbat. And at least for one Shabbat, for me, it changed my Shabbat. And I'm hoping that we can take this forward. So as I sat this Shabbat and I, and I spent much of the day really learning... I came up with a number of questions as we were finishing the, the end of Bereshit when we first meet Noah, and then we started the beginning of, of Noah that afternoon. Assuming that Shabbat did save Noah's life, we want to understand how. And if it did, we want to ask the question that all the rabbis ask and try to understand maybe in a little different way. Was Noah a saint or was Noah a sinner? The question is really based on the first Rashi that we have on the opening verse, where it says, Ele toldod Noach. These are the generations of Noach. Noach ish sadik tamim haya. Noach was this righteous person, but bedorotav, in his generation. So the question is, what is this, this word bedorotav? Why do we have to uh, specify specifically, why do we have to say specifically that he was righteous in his generation? Uh, so he wasn't righteous in another generation. And Rashi says there's an opinion, which is the opinion of Rish Lakish, that says that, uh, that had he lived in another generation, had he lived in another generation, he wouldn't have been considered anything. And that what's that generation? Had he lived in the generation of Abraham. Uh, others interpret. Uh, others say no. He had. He, he was wonderful, and had he lived in another generation, he would have been that much, that much better. And that's the opinion. Sorry, the good opinion is Reish Lakish. He judges him for the positive, and it's interesting that the opinion that says that had he been in the generation of Abraham Avinu was the opinion of the teacher, the brother-in-law, and the chavruta of Reish Lakish, who was Rabbi Yochanan. Now, if you have a chance after this, go go and listen. If you have uh, on your uh, on your uh, the you know the, the podcast, Rabbi Fire, he had an interesting podcast. He has an interesting spin on understanding whether uh, whether Noah is a righteous person, is a sinner or a saint. The problem with Rashi's statement that I have right away. It's also another statement that we have from the rabbis. We see that the Navi calls the Mabul, the flood, May Noah, the waters of Noah. So if we're going to call it the waters of Noah, he's the one who survived. We're going to call it the waters of Noah. And some of the rabbis say he was responsible for the flood. He was responsible, but Hashem said he's righteous and he saved him. Now the problem we have with, with Rashi, what, what, what Rashi is bringing is that he says, had he lived in the time of, 
Avraham. What do you mean, had he lived in the time of Avraham? The gematria of Noah is Nun Chet 58. Noah died in the year 2016, 2006, 2006, from creation. Avraham Avinu was born in 1948. So that means at the time that Noah died, Avraham Avinu was 58 years old. So therefore they did live at the same time. They did share the world at the same time. And although we suggest that Noah may have been uh, not so important had he lived with Avraham, it appears that Avraham's entire way of life was a direct result of what he learned from Noah. And I think this is just something remarkable that we're going to say not only on judging Noah for the good, but everything about Abraham is based on Noah. Noah is his great-great-grandfather, ten generations later. And Noah, Noah and Abraham knew Noah's son, Shem, who was also called Malkisedek. Going further, we say if Noah is this righteous guy, who's so impressed, who Hashem pulled from the rest of the world and said he's a Sadiq, and he gave him praise that he doesn't really give to anybody else. If this is what Hashem is doing, then what is the reward of Noah? Noah, I love you. You're the greatest guy in the world. You are the Sadiq. You're the righteous guy. So what am I going to do for you? I'm going to make you a zookeeper. A zookeeper? That's what you're going to do for me because you love me so much? And if Noah works so hard as a zookeeper... Why do we have the Midrash that says the lion attacked? Finally, we learned always that when we see the name Hashem as a Yud and a Hey and a Vav and a Hey, the Havaya, it always means mercy. The name Elohim always means judgment. But in this parasha of Noah, we're going to see the opposite. How come it's reversed? Finally, what can we learn from Noah, especially in our times? So last week we quoted the Orach Haim Kadosh. He explains that Hashem only created the world for six days. By observing Shabbat, the world is worthy to live another six days. So each Shabbat allows the world another six days of existence. The Orach Haim teaches that from the inception of the world, there hasn't been a single Shabbat that was not observed by at least one special Sadiq. If one Shabbat passed with no one observing it, then the world could not continue. He writes his exact words, Adam observed Shabbat, as did Shet, his son, after him. Several other Sadiqim followed them. When one would pass, another would have already appeared to replace him. He lists Metushelach, Noah, Shem, and Abraham. After that, Shabbat observance never ceased among Bnei Israel. Even in Mitzrayim, there were those who observed Shabbat. So we have a specific source that said that Noah is among the Sadiqim who already observed Shabbat before Matan Torah. By doing so, Noah ensures that the world would continue each Shabbat for the next six days. The Sefatimet explains 
that the actions of the wicked people in that generation of the Mabul corrupted the ten utterances, the ten statements that Hashem made which sustain the world and the six days of creation. Seeing that the people in the world at that time, what did they do? They rebelled against Hashem. They were unable to renew and ensure the continued existence of creation. Who continued, who allowed creation to continue and exist? Noah. He merited extending the existence of the world every Shabbat. This explains to us what did Hashem find? It says that, that, that Hashem found It says Noach Matzachen We saw last week Noach Matzachen Hashem. Noach finds Chen, grace What is this Chen that Noach finds in Hashem? That Hashem finds in Noach According to the Zohar Kadosh The name Noach Nun Chet is related to the observance of Shabbat. What's the root of Noach? Rest. The name Noach is related to the word Menucha. Menucha, Noach. Says in a number of places in the Zohar that Noach corresponds to the day of Shabbat. Three different places we can pull. It was intended to teach us that Noach was saved from the Mabul in the merit of observing the Shabbat. The name Noach alludes to this mitzvah of menucha and the observance of the day of rest. So hold this Shabbat thought for now as it relates to Noach. Bezrat Hashem, we're going to come back to it at the end. So at this point, Noach appears to be a saint. We don't see where Noach is not a saint. Ele toldot Noach, Noach ish sadik, tamim haya bedorotav, et ha Elohim hitalech Noach. Noach walked with God. Vayoled Noach, Noach has three sons, Shem, Cham, and Yafet. Toldot normally means children. It should read, Ele toldot Noach. These are the generations of Noach, Shem, Cham, and Yafet. Why is it this go? Why does it, why does it skip them till the end? Says Rashi brings, ah. Toldotem shel sadikim, the children of the righteous, are ma'asim tovim, are their good deeds. So the question we're going to ask is, what is a sadiq? Sadiq he was a sadiq. What is a sadiq? And again, we see right now, it seems all good. Elohim. The world became corrupt in front of Hashem. And the world became filled with Hamas. Hamas, that's where they took their name, right? The primary sin, the rabbis tell us, during the pre-flood days was a complete and lack of, to- of self-control. Total lack of self-control. There was an environment where anything and everything goes in the pursuit of fulfilling any and every desire. More so, as the Ramban writes, when it comes to ta'avot, we constantly need to up the ante. We constantly need to up the ante of ta'avot. One law that they made in the time of Noah, says the Midrash, is the night before the wedding, the bride would have to sleep with the leader. The common people learn from their leaders. Eventually, they didn't care if they, if they sin in the middle of the street. 
there was no concern from the authorities. Since the leader did nothing, the people are not going to do anything. And as Ramban explains, as one ta'ava is fulfilled, it leads to another. And where human nature might dictate hiding these actions, then they not only lacked any level of embarrassment, they went so far as to commit these acts in public to the point of consecrating them. What began with adultery, where people justified their actions and said, but I love her and she loves me and we're so important to each other, why shouldn't we be together just because she's married, right? That followed with other ta'avot. Each time more excitement had to come because they craved more excitement. It's not so different from our world. Hashem, He should have mercy, give us strength. Our rabbis tell us that it escalated to the point where people consecrated marriages in public with their pets. And if you think we're so far from that, there's articles that tell us we're not. It's difficult to understand, but human action also leads to animals also mating with other species. It's something that I, I can't understand. But what we explained in the past was that if man is a microcosm for all of creation, we said, Adam, let us make man, meaning all of creation comes and is part of man. So if man sins, if man goes to the extreme, if man just says, I couldn't care less about anything, I'm just going to take care of myself, this desire to receive only to satisfy myself, then the rest of the world in some way follows suit. The Midrash in Bereshit Rabbah says, they would commit such perversions as publicly as a legitimate wedding without any shame whatsoever. And the, the Zohar tells us, since there was no one to punish them, no one on earth to stop them, no one on earth to say anything to them, when the laws were not fulfilled here, when something doesn't happen here, then Hashem has to take matters into His own hands. The rabbis explain that at first they level, they sinned, it says in the, in the Pasuk, that they sinned lifnei Hashem. Why do we need it to know that they sinned lifnei Hashem? In front of Hashem. Of course it's in front of Hashem. Why do we need those words? They seem superfluous. Every time we have a word in the Torah, we have to be careful. Why do we have it? Lifnei Hashem means that at first, they only sinned in front of Hashem. First, there was some shame. First, there was some want to avoid sinning in public in front of others. But eventually, the habit of sinning and to'avod became so ingrained. And the high these sins gave them, although it was fleeting, became so necessary that they lost any aspect of shame. This led to a sinning not only in front of Hashem, but in front of man. Rabbeinu Ari, he explains that this public sitting without shame led to the destroyer, to the mashrit being released. When the mashrit, when the destroyer is released, anyone in his way could be harmed. This is why our rabbis warn us when there's a plague, when there's a mashrit, everyone has to hide. Noah went into the ark and the Ark explains the Zohar Kadosh was in fact a place of hiding. It's interesting that we talk about the light source of the Ark was a Sohar. Some of the rabbis say it was this jewel that gave off a tremendous amount of light and that Noah set up throughout the Ark. He set up mirrors on angles in order for the light from this stone to reflect throughout the Ark so that the whole Ark would have light. 
Others say that it was a glass, a very thick glass at the very top of the boat, one, uh, one uh, cubit wide. And this is where the light came from. But there were no windows on the sides. You were hidden in the ark. This was Noah's refuge from the mashrit, from the destroyer. We suggested also, just something to think about, that the generation of the flood returns as the generation of the tower. They strike out again and they return as the generation of Sedom. They're given a chance with a wonderful world and they can't be hospitable to other people. And finally, as the Tikkun, they come back as the generation of the Midbar, as the generation in Egypt, and they're the ones who go out into the Midbar. Many rabbis say that we, this last generation of the Mashiach, are Gilgul, a reincarnation of those who were, those who left Egypt. It's interesting that the same way that 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 generation had a complete lack of shame, where everything is put on display, not only display, but the Toavot are put on exhibition with tremendous pride. We're a generation where we openly proclaim that to feel good, we do what we like without regard to anything or anyone. So Hashem turns to Noah. All the flesh, it's finished in front of me. Because the world is filled with Hamas. Sefer Sedala Derech it brings, the reason the flood came was because the world stands on three pillars. Similarly to the opening of Superman, you know, Superman was written by a guy named Jerry Siegel. Jerry Siegel's parents came from Europe, and uh, Jerry grew up, I think, in Cleveland, and he definitely learned uh, Torah as a kid. And, you know, Superman, it says, you know, the world stands on truth, justice, and the American way. So the Torah tells us the world stands on truth, justice, and peace. Much of the theft in the world consisted of embezzlement. That's where truth is thrown out. There was no peace. Since embezzlement leads to quarrels and disputes, that was it. Since the judges were more corrupt than the embezzlers, there was no justice. And since the world was all fighting, there was no peace. So the three pillars of the world were wiped out. So Hashem turns to, to Noah and he says, Noah, make for yourself an ark. The rabbis tell us that the ark that, you, that, that he made had either 360 compartments according to Rabbi Yehuda, 900 compartments according to Rabbi Nehemiah. He says to him, Noah, you go build it by yourself. No, no, Noah, you can't go down to Home Depot. You can't go hire those guys that are standing in front of Home Depot for the day. You are going to build this ark by yourself. You can't subcontract any of the parts to China. No bringing in components that you're going to put together. You do it yourself. 120 years, Noah. Plant the trees. Cut the trees. Dry the wood. His son Shem has the nail factory. I don't really understand nails in the boat, but whatever. It says, You do it. Imagine a Sadiq. He's 480 years old. Ovadia Yosef. Today's his yard site. He says, build yourself, no subcontract and no workers. Hashem said 120 years and maybe we'll see what happens. As to the size of the ark, it's interesting. I was trying to judge how big was the ark compared to ships that we have today. So the Torah tells us the ark was 300 cubits long. 
But there's opinions that a cubit in those days is 10 times the size of a cubit today. If in fact it's 10 times the size of a cubit, the problem is the ark would be 6,000 feet long. 6,000 feet long, that's more than a mile. The largest cruise ship today is the Symphony of the Seas. It's 1,188 feet long. Now, even if you take the opinion on the smallest size of the ark, it was at least 700 feet long. So it was pretty, pretty big, somewhere along the size of the biggest ship ever built, the size of the Empire State Building, or four times that size. What I find interesting is that given that size, now imagine our rabbis 2,000 years ago trying to conceptualize a boat that's a mile long. What they write at the time is that the number of species in the world, 2,000 years ago they recognized this, would be so great that even if the ark was 10 times the size listed, meaning 10 miles long, it still couldn't fit every single species in the world. This being the case, and obviously it was a miracle that whatever fit into the ark fit into the ark. And now there are opinions that all of this is an allegory story just to teach us a lesson, but I like to think because there are so many flood stories that something had to happen. This being the case, the question is, why did Hashem, if He's going to make a miracle, okay, make a, a rocket ship and stick everybody in a rocket ship, or, you know, miniaturize everybody and we could fit everybody into, you know, a small boat. Why do we need the boat to be this big? And the answer was, you have to take 120 years to build this boat. Everyone's going to ask, Noah, what are you doing building a boat in the middle of town that's so big that you're never going to be able to get to the, to the ocean no matter what you do? So what happens? We have this boat, and he builds it. Three floors. Bottom is for the, is for the, the storage and the waste. The, uh, now, you, you just think of it. Storage and waste. You have a walk through the Bronx Zoo in the morning before they cleaned up. That's one day with not so many animals. Could you imagine what the waste was? You think, you know, he was ecologically correct. He didn't just dump the waste over the side of the boat, right? What did it smell like? You had to have these 40 degree uh, garbage rooms so that you would, uh, you would keep the smell. He's the chief rabbi. He has to take care of all the animals on the second floor, the people on the top floor. He's the garbage man. He has to handle all the manure. Yeah, you know, you see the people go, they pick up the, the poopy from the dog in the street. I can't even understand. I have a little, little dog. Every once in a while she goes and she goes to the bathroom. She decides she's not going to go to the bathroom because she's mad at somebody. Someone has to go pick it up. I can't even imagine. Imagine, oh, poor Noah. He's a big sadiq. This is what he has to do. This is the guy Hashem loves. I love you, Noah. You're the best guy in the world. Go get the shovels. Doesn't make sense. In a world of miracles, come on, give me another way, Noah. Give me some other way to go clean up. Give me some other miracle that, that we can survive here like this. Not only that. Not only are you going to be the garbage man, clean up. Noah, you got to procure all of the food. You got to be the caterer for all of these animals. Figure out what everyone's going to eat. Hashem made a miracle. What are you going to do? What do you do with meat eaters? I mean, come on. You're going to feed the meat eaters. The Midrash says, no, he had to feed them dried figs. Another Midrash says, Hashem gave some special uh, energy to the food so that, that uh, they, they were satisfied. The obligation again is on Noah himself. 
He couldn't pick up the phone and call the caterer and say, Joey Zami, do me a favor, Joe. Send me enough food for everybody to take care of everybody. Says the Gemara tells us that Abraham Avinu's servant Eliezer was with Shem. And Eliezer asked Shem, Shem, tell me, what was it like on the ark? And Shem replied, Eliezer, you should know. It was very, very hard. You know, some animals, they only eat during the day. Some animals only eat in the middle of the night. All 12 months that we were in the ark, we never got to close our eyes. This is the Gemara saying, my father didn't know what to feed one animal in the, one day. One day he was cutting a pomegranate and a worm came out. So now we have to figure out where we're going to get worms to feed this animal. He said, but you can't even imagine because the most difficult thing <coughs> in taking care and feeding all of these animals, the most difficult thing was the large carnivores. He says, because on the ark we couldn't get meat. So he's saying, this is what Shem is saying it was like on the ark. This is the guy I love. I love you, Noah. Let me see how much trouble I can make for you. So for some reason there was seven days and the flood was happening over the first seven days. What's going on? It says in the 600th year of Noah's life, that's when the, the flood starts. October 27th, the flood starts. You know, October 27th it starts and October 27th is the day they get out of the ark. So what's today? October 21st, six days. We should all make the flood party next week. Uh, uh, what is it, Monday or Tuesday? Whatever, the 27th, we should make the flood party. So it says, now what happens? It says that, this, that Noah and his family went into the ark. So it says, even after 120 years, the flood was delayed an additional seven days. When it began to rain. During that time, the world received a final warning. What were these seven days? These were seven days of mourning for Metushelach. Who was Metushelach? He was the guy who lived the longest in the world, 969. And he was the grandfather of Noah. What I thought was interesting was that Noah's father, Lemach, also died a few years. He died five years before his own father. So the world was getting warned, the Sadikima dying, world, pay attention, change your ways. One criticism of Noah comes from this, these Pesukim. It says that Noah didn't enter into the Teva, into the ark, until the water reached his knees. You know, I'm being swallowed by a boa constrictor. I mean, you know, it's my knee, you know, I guess I'm too old. Okay, so he gets the water gets up to his knees, and then what is Noah going to do? That's the only time he runs says he didn't trust his spirit of nevuah, of prophecy. He didn't want to abandon his house and his possessions. He only made the ark, <laughs> this ark, he only made it so that he could warn the world. He never believed Hashem would really bring a flood. So it was the waters of the flood that drove him in. <clears throat> to his credit, we say that maybe he had faith that the people would change. He says that he looked at Hashem, he's loving, merciful, he'll never do this. The Midrash tells us that only the eight people survived. There was one other. It tells us about Og, Og the giant. He hung up out on the top. And Noah fed him. And why did all get to survive? It says because Hashem wanted the world in the future to see what the world in the past was like. It says, 
And all of the world died except for Noah. As recorded in Midrash Tanhuma, also in the Zohar Kadosh. One day, we said, Noah went to go feed the lion. It was time to feed the lion, but he was late. And according to one opinion, the lion smacked him. Another opinion, the lion actually bit his foot. Noah was damaged. He permanently was damaged by the action of the lion. And the question is, why? For being late. We see an opinion from Rav Yosef Mitrani. He was named for his grandfather, Yosef Mitrani, who left, who fled from Spain. And he was the son of the famous Rabbi Moshe of Trani. That's his Mitrani, is Moshe of Trani. And he was one of the students of Rav Yosef Kara, the Shulchan Aruch. So while in Sifat, he studied under the famous Mikubalim. He moved to Turkey, became a Posek. And he says that uh, he, he says that, that, that Noah was punished for a specific reason relating to being late with the lion. We're going to try to understand. So let's keep going. <clears throat> it says only Noah survived. Me'amlo'ez says, Ach Noah. Ach Noah. Ach always is diminutive. It, it's smaller, makes things smaller. And the Me'amlo'ez quoting the Mizrahi says, that this implies that Moshe only that, that, that Moshe Noah only survived, but he was in a lower state after the flood. And you can imagine he gets out after the flood, world is gone. He offers a sacrifice and he sees God says, I'll never bring a flood again, and he thinks, Wow, what if I prayed for the people before? Maybe God would have never brought the he would have never brought the flood in the first place. It's interesting that some opinions say that when Moshe met Noah, or we say Moshe is really some level of Gilgul of Noah, that Moshe, Noah said, look, I'm so great, God saved me, I was the only survivor. And Moshe says, hey, when God said, I'm going to wipe out B'nai Israel, what did I say? Kill me first, that's what you should have done. So that's the opinion that says that Noah wasn't worthy. It says, God remembered Noah. So it says, as the flood ends, the verse tells us that Hashem remembered Noah. Why did he remember Noah? It's interesting. The rabbis say something very interesting. Vayiskor Elohim, Elohim et Noah. What do you mean, Vayiskor Elohim? Elohim is Midat Hadin. That's judgment. Vayiskor Elohim seems aspect of mercy. What's going on? In the beginning, we see that Hashem is angry. There it uses Yudke Vavke. So angry Hashem using Havaya of mercy. Merciful Hashem using Elohim of judgment. What's going on? Says that that an evil person can even take the midat of chesed and turn it into judgment. But a sadiq, and we're going to try to understand what is a sadiq, can take a midat of deen, can take judgment and turn it into mercy. Say the rabbis, why did Hashem remember Noah? Because Noah took care of the animals. Because Noah took care and did chesed with the animals, Hashem remembered Noah and trans, transformed the Elohim, the Midat Hadin, into Midat of Mercy. <coughs> so it says, so, the, so then, 
Then first, what does Noah do? He sends out the raven. The raven comes back. One accusation is the raven tells Noah, you're trying to get rid of me because you want my wife. This really leads us to think, what was it like in the world in those days? That the raven's going to accuse Noah, who just saved his life, of, of wanting the raven's wife. Okay, come on. What kind of world? Then he sends the dove. The dove comes back with an olive leaf. The Gemara says, why does he bring an olive leaf? The most bitter leaf of all the trees is an olive. That leaf of an olive is the most bitter leaf. Says the Gemara, says the Midrash, that what is the, the, the dove trying to tell Noah? I would rather a bitter olive from Hashem than you feeding me honey. You feeding me honey. Says, <laughs> interesting, this bird, Noah saved his life. Doesn't sound like he's so appreciative that Noah saved his life. You know, bird, all your cousins are dead. I saved you. You should say thank you. Not that you would rather God's bitter than me. So he said they, they were on for a full solar year. What's the idea of them being on the ark of full year? The rabbis tell us the verdict of Gehinam, the maximum is one full year. So we say Noah comes out, he offers a sacrifice, but he's not such good shape because of what the lion did to him. But we have to remember, all the animals are alive because of Noah. He fed them, he cared for them. So he was late five minutes to the lion. This is his reward to be crippled, to have internal bleeding forever, that he can never offer a sacrifice himself. What's going on? It says, I'm going to establish my, my, my breed, my, 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 uh, I'm going to establish my, my uh, covenant with you. <clears throat> Never is going to be a flood again. The rainbow is going to be proof. Hashem's going to get angry. He needs the rainbow to calm him down. What does Hashem need this to remind him? Rabbi Hari tells us something to help us understand. It says, It says, The water returned on the, on the earth there and back, front and back. It tells us that this was, the, was Hashem's revenge, so to say, of the sins of the people. It says that the, Hashem tried to warn the people during the time of Enosh. One third of the world was flooded. He did all of these things to get people to change, but they didn't change. It says the Midrash further that the water wanted to attack the people in the ark. The water wanted to kill Noah. But Noah is a complete tzaddik. Hashem says, Tamim lefanai. But Noah turns to Hashem and says, according to the Midrash, Hashem, I'm no good. I stole also. The water doesn't want him to live. Hashem says to the water, Noah is oseh sedakot. Noah is a righteous person who does sedakah. What's the sedakah that Noah does? <clears throat> and the answer is clear. Noah survived the flood because he watched the Shabbat. That was how he got in the ark in the first place. But what gave him that he was worthy to survive the flood itself? He built the ark for the animals. He fed the animals. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days of the year, no vacation. All the time, tzedakah and chesed to who? To the animals. Hashem is telling Noah, Noah, understand that this hard job I'm giving you is what will save you. Sedaka tatzil mimavet. 
tzedakah, righteousness, doing the right thing, will save a person from death. We translate this as giving charity will save to death. What was the tzedakah that Noah gave? Taking care of the animals. Sadiq is not what we think. It's not this holy guy. Sadiq is the person who does tzedakah. Oseh tzedakot. Noach, ish sadiq. Noach is a righteous person. His ma'asim tovim, his good actions, his kindness, his generosity. Hashem says, I'm going to show you. Build an ark. Noach says, I don't need an ark. I have a yacht. I have a beautiful yacht in my park, in my, in my seaside home on the lake. No, 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 no. You need an ark for the animals. For the animals? What animals? The cockroaches, the spiders, the elephant. Well, what? 900 compartments. <clears throat> Build it yourself. Get the food yourself. Feed them yourself. Take care of them yourself. Rabbi Abitan always talked about the word ahav. Hav is give. When you give, you come to ohev. You come to love. By giving and giving, you come to love. You will love so much. Eventually, even the waste is tolerable. To a parent who wants a child and the child is not going to the bathroom and finally goes to the bathroom, they don't smell anything. Non-stop, Hashem tells him, 365 days, you just have to do kindness because kindness will save you. This is what saves Noah. When Hashem is upset, even the Sadiq, even the Tamim, he can't help. But we have to remember, Sedaqah Tatsil Bimabe. This is our protection. We have to understand what does it mean, Sadiq. Bedorotav, in his generation, he, had he lived in the generation of Abraham, but we said Noah, 58, lived in the same generation as Noah, as Abraham and Noah were together. Maybe he never met Noah, they lived in different parts of the world, even though he was a descendant. But he definitely met Shem, he met Malkisedek. We have the story of Shem with Eliezer. And what is the merit which you survived Shem? Chesed. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, run, feed. Abraham learned from Noah. Abraham said to himself, imagine, the whole world is destroyed. Noah is going to survive on the ark. Why? Because he did chesed with the animals. Said Abraham, wow. Imagine if I do chesed, with people. If the reward is to survive because he did chesed with animals, imagine how much greater it is to do chesed with people. They were in the same generation. But it was Abraham who took the lesson of Noah and he upped the ante. Had he lived in the same generation because Abraham learned from Noah, but did much better. We see, we're going to see in two weeks, Va'era. The Bedouin come, the Arabs are there. What does he do, Abraham? Run, go and get, take care of them. He he slaughters a calf for each one. Each one gets their own tongue. He takes care of them, stands on top of them. He's the waiter, he's the most important guy in in the world at the time. And he's taking care of these three nomads. Why? He learned from Noah. You take care of people much better than even Adam. Dorotav, it teaches to relate to Abraham. Noah instructed by Hashem to do tzedakah. He walks after Hashem. Abraham walks in front of Hashem. He does kindness to people. He cannot be compared to Noah. 
Noah thinks he's doing the animals a favor. Lion, what are you angry with me? I'm feeding you every day. The lion tells him you're late. Boom! We see in Megillat Ruth. Ruth comes back from Boaz's field. She tells her mother-in-law, Naomi, Ha'ish asher asiti imor Boaz. The man I did too was Boaz. What do you mean you did? I did a favor to Boaz. How did you do a favor? Who did a favor to whom? Didn't he give you food? Says the Gemara, greater is the kindness the poor does for the rich than the kindness the rich does for the poor. You think you're doing a favor for the poor when you're giving the tzedakah. In reality, it's the reverse. They ask Rabbi Akiva, if Hashem loves the poor, why doesn't He take care of them? And he says, in order that the rich should merit. Noah, five minutes late, the lion says, where were you? You have a complaint? Yes! I'm only, you're, you're here, you're surviving because you're taking care of me. The dove says, I have a leaf, bitter olive, I'd rather it from Hashem than honey from you. You think you're doing saving me? No, no, no. By you taking care of me, you're being saved. Siddhartha, appreciate an opportunity to give. Better the leaf from the olive tree, which is bitter. Better Hashem than anyone else. We also have to understand that Siddhartha doesn't come alone. The word Siddhartha, Sadi, 90. Come on, Leon, right. Sadi, 90. Dalid, 4. Kuf, 100. Hey, 5. Every single day. 90 times we say Amen. Four times we say Kedushah. When we say Yotzer Or, when we say the Amidah in the morning, when we say Ubal Etzion, and Kedushah and Mincha. Kuf 100, blessings we say every day. And we always have to take time every day to study five, the five books of Moses. Sedakat Tatsil Mimavit, but to activate it we need. We need to have a relationship with Hashem. That's the 90, that's the 4, that's the 100, that's the 5. We say, et yadecha. Ask for money. Ask for sustenance. Please, Hashem, drop it down on me. et yadecha. What's the next verse? Sadiq. Sadiq Hashem. Hashem gives. You have to activate it by, by copying Hashem. This is the Sadiq. This is pure. Sedaka is Hashem giving us an opportunity to be protected ourselves. What happened in the time of the flood? They stole from each other. No sedaka. Remember Sedom and Amorah. What happened in Sedom? What happened? Hashem heard the cry, the daughter of Lot. She went to do sedaka to help someone. The people killed her. Hashem said, you wiped out sedaka. I'm going to wipe out you. Sedaka is what protects you. Dari says you need tzedakah, but you need the other things to activate the tzedakah. You need to answer Amen. You need to answer to Kedushah. You need to say Brachot. You need to learn Torah. You need to take your tzedakah and make it a tzedakah on a higher level where you relate to Hashem. Tzedakah is the message of Noah. The purpose is to learn how Noah was saved from tzedakah. He had tzedakah, mercy on animals. We say that a person has to have mercy on all creatures. You know that a person has an animal, they have to feed the animal before they eat. 
they can't taste their own food until they feed the animal. We say in Shema, the Natati I gave the grass of the field to your animals, and only then the Achalta you should eat the Sabata and be satisfied. You have to take care of the animals first. This is the lesson of Noah. The Gemara Makot says, even if a person, he went, he washed, he made hamotzi, he's sitting down to eat bread, he realized I didn't feed the animal. Go feed the animals. The idea of Noah is, it's no time for himself. Everything was for others, but that gave him the protection. The rainbow is for the Goyim. We don't look at the rainbow. The rainbow is a disaster. Hashem is upset. Noah told, Hashem told Noah, go into the Teva. Still the water wants to overturn, wants to destroy him. Hashem has to tell the water, stop. The rainbow is the same. Hashem is telling us, you know, I would destroy the world, but I'm going to tell it to stop. We know that there were periods of time there was no rainbow. How could there be no rainbow? Rainbow is a natural phenomenon. You have, ra- you have water, you have sunlight, you see rainbow. But in the time of Shimon Bar Yochai, in the time of Chizkiyahu the king, how did they not have a rainbow? Because it only rained in the middle of the night, the rabbis say, when it's a blessing. You know, when you put your sprinkler on, you put your sprinkler on in the middle of the night. You don't put your sprinkler on in the day to get people. So Hashem made the sprinkler, the rain, only come in the middle of the night, so there was no rainbow. They learned Torah, they prayed to Hashem, they did tzedakah, they had the power to protect. But without Torah, without tefillah, without tzedakah, we're up the creek. The rainbow is a reminder, but we have to remember to do what we're supposed to do. There's so much to think about in this parasha in these times. Is this COVID our flood? Is the mask our way to hide? Is it our ark? And what will save us? What do we need to do? Siddhaka can help, but we have to have the siddhaka come with a relationship with Hashem. I just want to close with this. I know a little late, but we're going to close. A few more minutes. This is the closing relating to Shabbat. I saw this from Rabbi Pinchas Friedman. It's something beautiful. He explains that all of the ordeals that we experience in Olam Hazeh in this world represent Maim Hazedonim. Maim Hazedonim is treacherous waters. This, the Jew is liable to drown in these waters if he doesn't know how to swim and keep his head above water. We refer to the day and day order of this world as Hateva, nature. The term Hateva comes from the root Toveya, which means to drown. This comes to teach us that if a person is not careful, he's liable to drown and sink in the natural order of Olam Hazer. Along these lines, Rabbeinu Bachya writes, Ki nikra hateva b'shem hazeh. For this reason, nature is referred to by the name Hateva because he says a person will drown in the mire of his abyss and will descend to the depths of despair if he's not wary of it. Like a person who falls into the sea and doesn't know how to swim and drowns. The Shem Yishmuel says in the name of Admor from Alexander that the term Hateva comes from the root Toveya, like we said, drown. He says it's like someone who drowns in a river if not the captain throwing him a rope, he won't survive. The Gemara provides us with a beautiful explanation. It says, A father is obligated with his son to do what? To circumcise him, to redeem him, that's in Pidyon, to teach him Torah, to find him a wife. You can't just let your kids try to find the wife on their own, right? You've got to help find them. He says, to redeem him, to teach him to Torah, find him a wife, teach him a profession, and some say, 
the father has to teach the child to swim. Rashi says, why does he have to teach him to swim? He says, it may be the kid's going to go on a boat one day, the boat's going to sink, and he's going to be in danger if he doesn't know how to swim. What? Based on what we discussed, we could view the father's obligation to teach his son how to deal with whatever life has in store for him so that he does not drown in the treacherous waters of Mother Nature. As we learn, Shabbat is analogous to the Ark of Noah, the Teva of Noah. It saves a person from drowning in the stormy water that surrounds him during the other days of the week. The Gemara says as follows, Kol HaMishmar Shabbat, Kehil Everyone who watches Shabbat according the, properly, Afilu Ovid Zara, even if he worshipped idols, Kedor Enosh Mochlinlo. Even if he worships idols like they worshipped in the days of Enosh, he's forgiven if he has Shabbat. Elsewhere the Gemara says, Kol Hamitpalel Be'erev Shabbat, everyone who prays on Friday night, Ve'omer, and he says, Vayechulu, it says the way we're quoting from the Torah where Hashem finished the world and rested. It says, Two ministering angels will escort him, place their hands on his head and say to him, and your iniquity will vanish and your sin will be intoned for. This is how important Shabbat is. Sohar ta'asela teva. A light you should make to the Torah. This alludes to the light or the window that a person has to have to allow the light of Shabbat to enter our own Teva. The Torah presents the following in the name of the Midrash. The Torah voices its concern before Hashem that perhaps when Bnei Israel will enter the land, they're going to be busy with their fields. They're going to be busy with their vineyards. They will overlook Shabbat. They will overlook the Torah. And Hashem says, no, they're going to have Shabbat. And on Shabbat, they're going to leave their fields. They're going to leave their vineyards and they're going to be free to engage in the study of Torah. Torah and Shabbat go hand in hand. We need to understand that just like the ark, the teva, saved Noah and allowed the world to continue, our gift from Hashem is Shabbat. Shabbat is our ark. It's our refuge from every day. It's our place to be protected to allow our world to continue. It's our source of light. It has the power to illuminate our lives. It's the source of our blessing. We explained the gift of Shabbat last week relating to Adam. We see the gift of Shabbat as it relates to Noah. We have to appreciate this gift of Shabbat, this refuge from Shabbat, this day that we can turn everything off. We have to know the secret, the secret to survive even in terrible times is to sometimes go into the ark, which is Shabbat, and that will protect us. But Tzedakah Noah was saved because he did Tzedakah to the animals. Abraham understood from them, wow, if he does to the animals, how much more to do with people. We should do Tzedakah, we should activate our Tzedakah. 90 amens. Try to always, when you say bracha, make sure someone's listening to say amen. Four Kaddish, 100 blessings. And make sure every day we take the time to study Torah. Bezrat Hashem, if we do this, Hashem will be with us. Hashem will protect us. Hashem will take care of us and save us from whatever is going on.